Good morning and turn into your copy of God's Word or on your devices to Matthew chapter 6. And I'm actually going to read from verse 5 to verse 13. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 to 13. We want to spend the next three weeks focusing on prayer, challenging ourselves, challenging each other, encouraging you uh, to, and equipping you to help us become a praying people. We, we know that we need and desire God's presence, and we need to be a praying people. You know, to be here and a member at Hebrew Baptist Church, you would say, I, I stand firmly in the Bible. That is number one in our statement of faith of what we believe about the Bible. And so if I were to go to each one of us and each one of you individually and you at home and say, what do you believe and what do you say? You say, I believe in the Bible. That is who we are. But many times we as individuals and Christians, we say we believe the Bible is inerrant with power, with authority, but we live functionally as though that there are three things in the Bible that aren't real. When the Bible tells us to give of our money, share the gospel, and to pray, those things we say we believe and stand firm in the Bible. But functionally, how often do we show we believe those things? Well, today we want to challenge you in prayer vitally in prayer. Prayer is vital for you. It's vital for us as a community of faith. It's vital for us as Christ and through the Holy Spirit has given us this gift of prayer. And we encourage you to pray. Join us uh, on Sunday mornings. I had spent a great time of prayer this morning at 915 uh, downstairs in the fellowship hall. If you can come for that, if you're not in a life group, we encourage you to come. But we want over the next couple of weeks to be praying and being equipping you to pray. So let's just begin what Jesus teaches about prayer. And we're really over the next three weeks really going to focus on chap- uh, verses 9 through 15, uh, 13. The Lord's Prayer. But I want to give you sort of the introduction of what Jesus says. Whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, because your Father knows the things you need before you ask Him. Therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, and we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning as we understand and see what you have said through your word, may we become people of prayer. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Imagine you go to your friend who lives closer to the airport than you do. And you go and sit down in their living room and you're talking and then all of a sudden the whole house shakes. I mean the, 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 the pictures on the wall, the, the ground, you, you just jump up and you're like, what? what's going on? And, and your friend says, 
why are you acting like this? What, what's wrong? And he said, what do you mean what's wrong? I mean, the, I, I felt like the house was about to, to cave in. What, what do you mean what's wrong? I, I was afraid for my life that something was going to, to come down on my head. And he said, well, that's just the planes flying overhead. I said, well, well, aren't you concerned by that? I mean, how do you live like this? And they said, well, yeah, I guess I've lived here long enough that I don't ever notice it. You know, I believe that this is similar when we come to the Lord's Prayer. How often do we, have we recited it as Christians? Have we read it, seen it in print, maybe even have it around our house, that we don't see the power that Christ has shown us within it? See, the whole world is starving for a spiritual experience, and Jesus gives it here in just a few words. I mean, how, who wouldn't want to connect daily with the creator of the universe that we would be able to come to his very heart, pour out everything in our soul to him, and experience his very presence to sense him both loving us and listening to us? Jesus says, well, it's right here in the Lord's Prayer. I've given it to you. And we say, oh, well, I, I haven't even noticed it. It's been around so long. I've said it so many times. I, I don't even notice it that it's all there. The Lord's Prayer is a powerful example for us that Jesus has given to show us both the power, the content, and how to pray. Even though it's great that we recite it, I mean, there's nothing better in our prayer time. And if you get stuck in prayer to pray God's word, pray scriptures to him, there's, there's no greater thing for us to do than to pray these words. But Jesus didn't say, this is uh, what you should pray. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. This is how you should pray in this way. This prayer, this Lord's Prayer, is a model for us. In other words, to show us what the content, structure, and ways that our prayer can be made. The Lord's Prayer is contrary to the flashy prayer that Jesus tells us to avoid in verses 5 to 6, as well as the thoughtless prayer of verse 7 to 8. This is the privilege of prayer that Jesus gives us to model. And the first aspect of what we see is coming into the presence of a powerful God. See, here at Hebron Baptist Church, we want to help you and help everyone take their next step towards Christ. We want everyone to take their next step in having a powerful and effective prayer life. And that's what our goal is over the next couple of weeks and in the days ahead as we disciple one another. But we want to see here as we go over this text that Jesus has shown us the privilege of prayer. And Jesus begins this privilege by showing us the most important aspect of the prayer, the privilege of being in the presence and praying to God himself. It's all about prayer and the relationship and experience to God. Many times we treat our prayers as just 
random thoughts or things as text messages that we've, we've almost kind of sent out into the stratosphere. Many times we do prayer with fervor and wanting help. But brothers and sisters, help us to understand this, that the means and the ability of prayer is a powerful weapon in the hands of God's people. This is just like a collect call to heaven paid for by God himself that we can come to the throne room and speak to him anytime that we want. It's this immense privilege and wonderful gift that we have that we must drive us to go to prayer more and be more regular in our prayer. And in this first verse, we see this undeniable focus of our prayer to the holy and great God. Therefore, as we consider prayer, let us see in this verse, this opening of the Lord's Prayer, four privileges that we have in prayer. What is the opening? Therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. In it are four privileges that we get to come to as prayer. So if you're following along at home or here in the room or downstairs in the fellowship hall, you're taking notes on your phone or writing these, number one. Prayer is our privilege because we have become sons. Prayer is our privilege because we have become sons. Now, Jesus begins this prayer by saying, pray like this, our Father. Now, interestingly, he says to instruct our personal prayer, he uses a plural, our Father. What is he trying to convey to us? Well, that that we understand here in this prayer is this privilege that we have gained together. Something that we who call ourselves as Christians is a privilege and honor because we come to God as our Father. Something, when we have been saved, has not just changed about me, but it's changed about us. That when we have come to faith in Jesus Christ, we have been changed. We have been called together. And what is wonderful, and one of the beautiful aspects of our salvation is, yes, yes, forgiveness of sins. Yes, eternal life. Yes, all these wonderful things. But one of the things that's been granted to us through our salvation is being adopted as sons. This is talked about throughout the New Testament, and it helps us to understand that this that we are adopted as sons, meaning in that first century uh, idea that the, the firstborn son has received every bit of heir, every bit of privilege of the father. And therefore, what is communicated to us as those of us who have been saved by grace, those of us who have been saved by faith, that we know that we have been made sons. We have been made sons and daughters. And as Jesus, we have put our faith in him, we are born again. We are made new. We are made as new people, not just as saints, but as sons. And therefore, we have this wonderful privilege, this honor, this position that we can come to God as our father. That at any moment, at any time, in any need, we don't come thinking we don't belong, but instead we can come into his presence with confidence because he is our father. We desire him then. 
because of this. If he's made us and changed our status, he, we, we have trusted him as our Savior and Lord. We know looking at what Christ has done on the cross, dying for our sin, being raised to life, knowing that in him, because of this raised life, we have this wonderful privilege to be saved. And in this, and knowing this grace has nothing to do with us, nothing that we've earned, nothing that we deserve, we want to come to this Father who has saved us more. We desire to come to him and pray to him. Galatians 4, 6-7 says, Because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then God has made you an heir. So why do we have this wonderful privilege of, of prayer? We get to come confidently to God as a son and daughter of him. You know, when I was really young, probably in preschool age, that I had a friend whose, whose dad uh, had these very expensive, intricate, large room train set up. I mean, it was like double-decker tunnels, villages, lights. Set. I, mean, it, it was, I mean, it was amazing. And, and as a child, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is the most. And especially as a three- or four-year-old, just like, oh, trains, you know, I, that's amazing. And so I, would, we, I, I had gone to his house, and we were playing in the other room, but I kept just kind of like, I want to go into that room. I want to, you know, I want to go into it. And finally, I just said, okay. I said, hey, do you think we could play with the trains? And my friend, you know, once you've kind of lived in that house, he's probably played with it, that as enough. That's not like old hat to him. He's like, well, you're going to have to ask my dad. And I'm like, dude, he's your dad. I'm not going in there. I'm not going to go ask him if I can play with it. You go in there and ask him. I had this, this feeling that I, I didn't deserve to even go in there and say, can I play with your trains? Well, you know, here's this wonderful good news that we don't have to be fearful going to God to ask him anything because we are his sons and daughters. We can go confidently to him. And there's this beautiful thing that if you're a Christian, if you've been saved by grace, you have every right to walk in and sit at the feet of God and cry out to him. Because when Jesus, we can celebrate this privilege without any hesitation because we're sons and daughters of God. Which leads to, number two, prayer is our privilege because we approach God as Father. Now, you say, well, that's the same, right? Well, son, as a son, we have the, the, the position to come to, to Christ. But now in the 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 quality or what we come to God and we ask of him, it's different because we can now come to him as father. The Bible teaches us that God wants us to bring us all things to him. And we have the promise that God will always answer and the perfect fatherly response in our best interest. Luke chapter 11, verse 11 through 13, he says, what father among you? 
If his son asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake instead of a fish. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit if you ask him? The promise of this verse is to know that as the Father, he always is wanting to give us everything for our good and for his glory. It is not that he, we can go into him, you know, with the big, I used to go in with the big Sears Christmas book of toys, everything circled, there was something on every page, and this is what I want for Christmas. We don't go into our Father saying, look, these are all the things, and here, give it to me. The Father knowingly says, okay, I'm going to go through, and I know how each one of your prayers are going to be answered for your good and for my glory. We understand that as we get to come to God as Father, the good news is we can unload on Him all the concerns and anxieties and issues and problems. We can cry out to the things that maybe we wouldn't cry out to everyone else, but we would cry out to Him because He is our Father. And with all of these things, all of our heartaches, all of our fears, all of our pains, all of our troubles, we know that our Father is listening. Some of you, and I know, does not, do not or ever have had the privilege of having an earthly father that can respond or hear or listen to these prayers. Well, brother or sister, whatever you think or whatever you dreamed that an earthly father might be in this regard, the heavenly father is greater and fulfills that need and longing that you have knowing that there is a father here listening for your concerns, doing and acting and, and doing everything according to what is good for you. And that means we should not hold back, but instead to go to more, more often to him. Because even he's our father, number three. Prayer is a privilege because we submit to a God who is over us. We submit to a God who is over us. Look, God is not just only great, good, but he is great. Therefore, you should pray like this, our Father in heaven. There is this description of saying that where is our Father? Now, the in heaven does not denote the place where he abides other than his authority and his power that is at his command as creator and ruler of all things. Second Chronicles 2.6 says, But who is able to build a temple for him, since even heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain him? Who am I then that I should build a temple for him except a place to burn incense before him? This, these verses to say, look, we can build this temple, but we know that all of God cannot fit here. We know that God is immeasurably great, powerful, authoritative uh, and, and holy, and yet in this, we know we come to a place to pray. Jesus combines the fatherly love with heavenly power that we would direct our prayers, not just because we know he's good and answers them, but because he can answer them exceedingly more than we could ever dream, dare, ask, or think. And therefore, we Jesus is not concerned with protocol, in other words, with correct etiquette, 
but that this truth that we come with the right frame of mind of who God is, that he can answer these prayers. John Calvin observed, therefore, it is if he had been said to be of infinite greatness or loftiness, of incomprehensible essence, of boundless might, and of everlasting immortality. And while we hear this, our thought must be raised higher when God is spoken of, lest we dream up anything earthly or physical about him, lest we measure him by our small measure or confirm his will to our emotions. But at the same time, our confidence is in him must be aroused since we understand that heaven and earth are ruled by his providence and power. It is always wise as we come to pray, to set our mind onto this great God that we are praying to. That it is not some some soothsayer or some person that we hope might be able to figure things out for us, but to a great holy God who can do all things. It is this God that we come to. You know, I don't go to a mechanic and don't take my car when it's broken, hoping that they will stumble around and figure it out. I don't trust this person with my car because maybe, hopefully, they might be able to help me. I take it to them because I know they can fix it. And when we come to, in our prayer life, we come to a God knowing he has all the answers, knowing that he can do all things. Therefore, we must come to him. And and that must guide our prayer, brothers and sisters. When we come to him, we must, before we go with our, our, our laundry list of things to pray, maybe we should stop, not just maybe, we should pray to God, his character, his essence, his majesty. I mean, go through the Psalms and, and you go through how all the psalmists talked of God. He who holds all the stars in his hands. He who can scoop up the, water, the, the waters of the earth in his hand. He who is holy and great and powerful and majestic and all who is mighty. Maybe you should begin your prayers that way. Not just maybe, you should. God, you are holy. And I come to you knowing that you are the holiest one, that only you can answer my prayers because of who you are in perfection and royalty. God, you are king over all things, and so I know you have authority over things in my life. God, you are good and loving and caring. Ascribe to God everything that he is worth. Go to him and ascribe to him just as Number four, prayer is our privilege because we honor God as holy. What does Jesus say next? Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. 
See, we come to God ascribing to him what he is worth. Jesus says in the old King James and what we probably, many of us grew up, hallowed be thy name. And, you know, I never knew what, how, you know, as a kid, was that, is that hallowed out like a log? Is it, what, what does that mean? What does hallowed mean? Well, I think CSB does a great, wonderful translation of this, that your name be honored as holy. The name, your name, this is ascribing to God, who he is, Yahweh, the one true God. We can pray to a lot of things, but we know who we are praying to and how great he is that whom we are praying to. That his character of who he is, that we are placing our trust in him, the one true God. And not just his name, but holy be his name. What does it mean to make someone holy? Well, it, it means here the verb to set apart, to consider, to treat as holy. In many ways, when we come to this prayer, we are saying, coming to God and saying, God, may I be changed, that may I be in such reverence of you and who you are, that I would acknowledge your unsurpassed glory and holiness, that, that I am changed so that even those around me understand that, that there is something holy about you. But understand that it's more and not focused on us. That God's name be holy, set apart as holy. The petition that Jesus is teaching is framed not so much in terms as what happens to us, but that we have the right goal. That our highest goal of every prayer and everything we bring to God is to make most of Him, to glorify Him. That he is our highest goal. That his name shall be holy. John MacArthur observes of this to hallow God's name is not some glib phrase inserted into a prayer ritual. It is your opportunity to glorify him by acknowledging the greatness and wonder of his character. See, when we do this, it removes the man-centeredness of our prayers. It keeps us from being the center of gravity of life and of the world and of the universe. But instead, it helps us rightly put all worth and value and glory and honor to him. That man, even transformed man, even me, saved man, is not the chief goal of the universe. The chief goal, as theologians tell us, is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And therefore, that should be the goal of every prayer that goes to him. That even when we're praying for healing, is God that you would be glorified in this. That is in, when we're praying for your job, we're saying that God, you may be glorified in and through me. When we're praying for our lost child, we are saying, God, that you would be glorified in this. That, God, we would tell of your story for ages. That, God, there would be much made of you if these prayers are answered. And whatever and however you answer these prayers, you are the one we get to sing about. Not me. 
Man's chief reason is as we go and glorify him forever. We do that through our prayer. R.C. Sproul said, a lack of regard for his name reveals more clearly than anything else a lack of regard for him. So when Jesus says we should pray that God's name be regarded as holy, he is saying that we should regard him as holy and that such a posture of reverence, awe, and respect for God should define everything in our lives. So that when we are not so much taken up with ourselves that we rush into God's presence with our shopping list of needs, but that we know first and foremost his name be holy. And that we long for his name, his character, his glory to be top place in all the world, but that today we pray, Lord, help me to make you number one. Help me to make you number one. Brothers and sisters, as we begin and Jesus begins the Lord's Prayer, it is a first directive for us, for us to understand that prayer is a gift, not just for us, but it is our way to make much of God. And that prayer is the open door and the key to God's presence and encountering him. Brothers and sisters, that's why I want us to be a praying people. That's why I want you to be a praying believer. That's why I want you to make prayer a priority. Not because it's, it's some to-do list that makes you look better than someone else or some other hopefully good benefits that you would get. The first and foremost is that you would experience and encounter God and see him as real in your prayers and in your life. In Timothy Keller's great book on prayer, I cannot tell you how great it is, he says this, prayer is both conversation and encounter with God. We must know the awe of praising his glory, the intimacy of finding his grace, and the struggle of asking his help, all of which can lead us to know the spiritual reality of his presence. Brothers and sisters, that's why I want you to be and consider committing to a greater prayer life. Would you commit today to considering how prayer might be more incorporated in your life? Would you commit today to to seeking out resources, and we can give you those and help you with those to say, what would be a, a good help for you to start a, a, a routine of daily going into the presence of God? Brothers and sisters, prayer is all about Him. And so I hope that your commitment is understanding this. First, that you're going to seek and experience and encounter God. 
I don't want to sell you to say, oh, well, you're going to get this and you're going to get that and you're going to do this and you're going to do that when all this happens. That will happen and we're going to talk about that in the next few weeks. But if we don't first understand that this call is to come to God, we're going to miss it all. And so maybe your first call today here, here, you, here in this room, you downstairs, or you at home, listening currently live, or maybe in a replay, maybe God's brought you here for you to understand, I have no relationship with God. Well, brothers and sisters, the first step to experience this presence and power and know that the Father is hearing you is to trust Christ today. Repent and believe that prayer will be answered and you will be saved trust in Christ today and if you do you have the resource of heaven at your exposure exposure when we ought to desire to pray like what that we desire pray on a water on a hot day We ought to long for it. But because of sin in our life that quenches the Holy Spirit, and so we know and desire not to pray because we're not going to go be honest with God. Or maybe it's Satan's schemes to tempt us to not pray. Or maybe, let's be real, our laziness to not be consistent. Or maybe it is our lostness. Don't you want to gather at the feet of the Father? Don't you want to call to the maker of the universe? Brother and sister, do the work. Do the time. Do things necessary to connect with God in prayer. So I encourage you to commit today to a greater prayer life, regular prayer life, committed prayer life. And we don't want you to do it alone. We want to help you, resource you, encourage you, point you in the right direction. But let us see this wonderful promise and privilege that Jesus has begun this prayer. That we get the privilege to encounter God in prayer. That should drive us all to want to pray and meet with God. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for this example and reminder through Jesus Christ that we get the privilege and honor to meet with you, God. That there is a creator God, powerful God, loving God, healing God, majestic God, eternal, infinite, powerful God on the other end of our prayers. And God, you want to hear it because you love us. So Lord, I pray that we come to a point in our life as believers that we see life and prayer not as just an add-on at the end of the day, but instead a necessary, vital, vibrant part of our walk with you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.